Our scripture passage for today comes from Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 to 30. But we have a special treat today. I will not read the scripture passage, but instead our children have prepared a special video message and scripture reading for all of you. Hello, mothers. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I appreciate you because you work so hard every day. And without you, I wouldn't be alive. And I wouldn't have this wonderful home to live in. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. We appreciate you because you marry dad and you run the household. We love you. Mother's Day. Thanks for letting me lose the things that I want to do. Bye. I think I love my mom because then I don't have to sleep outside with the foreign ring on my back. Um, you make good food, provide wisdom, and... Here's a reading of Proverbs 31 by our children! Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than others. Her husband can trust her. She will greatly enrich his life. He brings him good, not hard. All the days of her life. He finds woolen flax and busily spins it. He finds a before dawn. She prepares a breakfast for her household. And pans the day's walk for her servant girls. Goes to inspect the field and buys it. With her earnings, she plans a vineyard. She is energetic and strong and all hard work. She makes sure her fields are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Charm is deceptive, and beauty does not last. 
But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly free. We lower our floor. All is done. Let our deeds publicly declare our praise. Happy birthday! Love you. I love you. Happy Mother's Day, Emma. Love you. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. sweet. All right. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Our wonderful moms, love from your children and your church. Let's ask now for the Lord to bless us as we get ready to hear his word. Would you please pray with me? Father, we ask that your grace and your mercy would be with us as we now honor your servants, our dear mothers, on this special Mother's Day, so that as we honor them, we would honor the one to whom they represent, the one to whom they model. Uh, their love by your great love for us. We pray, O oh God, that today's message, though directly at mothers, would speak and enrich all of our hearts. And we ask that you would now bless this message in spite of the one who brings it. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Oscar Mayer, the meat company, a few years ago came out with a hilarious commercial. It all centers on this mom being bombarded by various members of her household, asking for permission to do certain things. And in each instance, the mother's answer is always the same. No. Mom, can I keep this frog I found in the backyard? No. Mom, can I be Facebook friends with this senior from my high school? No. Honey, skinny jeans. Does it work? No. (laughs) It seems that the word no is synonymous with motherhood today. But you know... I think the Bible would beg to differ because according to the scriptures, there is another word that is more apt, that is more synonymous with motherhood. And you know what word I'm speaking of? It's the word no, not N O no, but K N O W no, as in knowing knowledge to know, you know, it goes without saying. And yet I'm going to say it anyway. The work of mom is arguably the most difficult and the most important work a human being could ever endeavor, which means, which means if you want to be a great mom, moms, if you want to become a great mom, ladies, if you hope to marry someone who will be a great mom, men, 
then you need to know what it takes to be a great mom, which according to scripture is to know. A great mom is a knowing mom, a mom who knows things, which of course begs the question, what exactly must a mother know in order for her to be a great mother? We're continuing our sermon series through the book of Proverbs because it just so happens that this book has what is considered the gold standard text of what it means to be a great mom, a great wife, a great woman, a great human being altogether. And that's Proverbs 31 verses 10 to 30. And here we're going to see three specific reasons or three specific things that a mom must know if she wants to be a great mother. You see, according to this passage, great moms know three things, and they are the following. First, a great mom knows her worth, okay? A great mom, first of all, knows her worth. Secondly, a great mom knows her duties. And finally, a great mom knows the fear of the Lord. The three things that a mother must know in order for her to be the mom that God desires to be, the kind of mom that this world needs her to be, is that she knows her worth, she knows her duties, and she knows the fear of the Lord. Let's begin with the first point. First, a great mom knows her worth. Let's read the very first verse of our passage, verse 10, where it reads as follows. An excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. Now, a couple of observations that I want to bring to your attention. The first observation, okay, is that the first observation is the placement of this statement. Notice how in a passage that speaks of the glories of motherhood, it first starts off talking about how precious, how valuable this woman is before any of her duties of motherhood are even listed. That's the first observation. The second observation is that the author, a king by the name of Lemuel, refers to this amazing woman not as an excellent mother, but as an excellent wife. Now, considering these two observations, we ask, what does it all mean? Well, simply put, it means this. A woman who is a mother is a person of great worth and value prior to her doing the work of a mother or even being a mother. Let me say that again. A woman who is a mother is a person of great worth, great value prior to her doing the duties of a mom or even being a mom such as a wife. Okay? In other words, a mom is a person of great value independent of her being a mom or doing the work of a mom. But of course, that begs the question, what kind of worth are we speaking of here? Because after all, the word worth, value, those are fluid terms where certain things are worth more than others and other things are not as valuable as others. So what kind of worth must a mother have of herself in order for her to have the foundation laid in becoming a great mom? Well, look again at what it says in the second half of verse 10. She is far more precious than jewels. According to King Lemuel, the author, a woman is a great mom when she understands that she is worth more than precious jewels. Sounds beautiful, doesn't it, ladies? Kind of the stuff that you wish hubby or boyfriend would say to you more often. But here's what you need to understand. King Lemuel is not trying to woo you. He's not trying to be romantic. He's not trying to be poetic. He's trying to inform you, ladies, something so vital, so crucial, so necessary if you want to be a great mom mother okay he's up to something very profound so i want you to listen up okay you ready back in the days of the bible back in the days of the ancient world jewels were very rare 
You couldn't find them anywhere like you could a common rock or a common tree in your neighborhood, in your backyard. No, these were very rare things which made them so precious. Second thing about jewels is that they were natural. They were not man-made. There was no such thing as cubic zirconium back then. No labs were able to create the kind of fake jewelry that we have now. In the days of Scripture, jewels were both rare and they were not man-made. And when you understand these two characteristics, then you can understand some obscure passages of the Bible. Let's say, for example, Revelation 21, where there the Apostle John describes his vision of heaven, specifically God's city in heaven, the city of God. Pay special attention to how he describes his vision of what he saw in heaven. This is Revelation 21, starting in verse 18. It reads, The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on the foundation stones, inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysopras, the eleventh jansinth, the twelfth amethyst. The 12 gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl, and the main street was pure gold as clear as glass. It turns out that heaven, unlike earth, is saturated with precious jewels to where it could be made as forms of architecture, right? It's as common as stone, as wood, that make up our buildings today. And if you think about it, it makes sense because according to Hebrews 11, Right? The city of God, it's not made by human effort. It is only and exclusively made by the hand of God. Okay? So putting all this together, what do we understand? We understand this. According to the Bible, jewels are seen as little bits of heaven. In the Bible, jewels are seen as little bits of heaven on earth. And when you understand that background, then you understand what Lemuel is saying about you, ladies about how you're worth. You see, according to King Lemuel, a woman is so precious, so valuable, because she embodies, she exhibits, she epitomizes the glory of heaven way more than emeralds, rubies, and diamonds. Do you understand? That is what scripture says about you, ladies, about you, mom, prior to you being a mom at all. And this is something that we need to grasp. Moms, you need to understand that is your worth prior to you being mom. Why? Well, sad to say, and yet it is true, there are many women out there today because of how they were raised, specifically on how they were mistreated, how they were abused, that they come to the erroneous conclusion that says, if only I had a child. If only I could be a mom, if only I had a kid who always loved me, who was always there for me, who would never abandon me, who would always be by my side, who would always say how much they cherish me, then I would be a woman of, of value. Then I would be somebody. Then I would be significant. You know any moms like that? If you do, then you know they don't tend to be good mothers because they get so emotionally enmeshed with their kids they become codependent to their children. They become over-controlling of their household. And it just suffocates their children to the point where they refuse to let their children grow up into healthy, mature, independent adults. Study upon study tells us that when a parent, usually moms, find their worth and value as a parent, they don't tend to make great parents. They tend to become toxic parents. 
consider these insightful words from Dr. Susan Ford. This is from her book, Toxic Parents. This is what she says. Quote, the fear of not being needed motivates many controlling parents to perpetuate this sense of powerlessness in their children. These parents have an unhealthy fear of the empty nest syndrome, the inevitable sense of loss that all parents experience when their children finally leaves home. So much of a controlling parent's identity is tied up in the parental role that he or she feels betrayed and abandoned when the child becomes independent. What makes controlling parents so insidious is that the domination usually comes in the guise of concern. Phrases such, this is for your own good, I'm only doing this for you, all mean the same thing. I'm doing this because I'm afraid of losing you, that I'm willing to make you miserable, end quote. Pretty grim picture, right? And yet the polar opposite of what we see of the mom here in Proverbs 31. A couple of examples. Look at what it says in verse 22. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Here is a mom who, as she cares for her kids, she's caring for herself. This is not the mom who's in her PJs all day, having a shower for a week because she's so consumed, so obsessed with being mom. No, she's a mom who can enjoy life and give thanks to God for the things that God has given her to enjoy for his glory and for her good. Or consider what it says in verse 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she lasts at the time to come. Again, another mom who enjoys life, who doesn't let the difficulties of motherhood cause her to be so self-condemning, so self-critical to where she's robbed of any sense of humor, to where now she's such a grinch and so angry at herself, even at her kids. You see, Scripture teaches that a woman who is a great mother is directly tied to her awareness of her intrinsic worth that comes not from her human efforts as mom, but from heaven above. Let me say that again. A mom is a great mom because she is aware of her intrinsic worth, a worth that comes not from her human efforts as mom, but from heaven above. She has a sense of heavenly worth. And it's with this sense of a heavenly worth, she is in the right state of mind to execute the unique duties of mom. The unique duties of mom? Yeah, the unique duties of mom. What are those, Pastor? Well, let me explain by going to my next point. A great mom knows her duty. So the bulk of this passage is talking about all the various things that moms do, right? The duties of mom. And it's a lot to take in. And so to help us digest it, I have broken it down into three main duties of what great moms do. And they are as follows. A great mom, first of all, befriends her husband. Secondly, a great mom hustles for her household. And then finally, a great mom... No, uh, excuse me, a great mom shows compassion to the poor. The three duties of a great mom is she befriends her husband, she hustles for her household, and she's compassionate to the poor and needy. And one thing I want to show you is that all of these duties stem from what I stated in my first point. It comes out of her heavenly sense of worth, okay? Let me show you by beginning with the first duty. First, she befriends her mom. Read again verse 11, 12, 23, and 28, 29 all together. It goes like this. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. And many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Come on back. Here we see many positive influences, a lot of positive outcomes that mom have on her husband. But the key phrase to notice is what we read in verse 12. So one more time, she does him good and not harm 
all the days of her life. You see that phrase? All the days of her life? What that phrase tells us is that this mom, this woman is good to her man all throughout her life, especially during her years of being mom. You know, one of the things that the Bible clearly teaches is that for moms, they will one day retire from the work of motherhood. It's true. The Bible says that every mom will one day retire from the work of being a mom. In our day and age, it's usually when the kids are all grown, they're married and have their own families, okay? But the other thing that the Bible equally teaches clearly is that for a wife, she never retires from her work as a wife, okay? It never ends. There's no retirement for marriage. There's just marriage, and then there's death. (laughs) Marriage and death. At least that's the way it should be, okay? In other words, God designed the work of mom to end before mom's death And God also designed the work of wife to end after the wife's death or the husband's death, whichever comes first. And because that is true, do you know what this means? It means a mom should never put her children ahead of her husband. A mother should never put her relationship to her children ahead of her relationship to her husband. The level of trust, the level of intimacy, the level of companion that was there before the kids arrive and returns after the kids leave should always be there even during the difficulties of raising kids. And yet, sad to say, we don't see that happening at all. Far from it. I came across a very sobering article not too long ago entitled, What Happens to Marriage After Having Children? It's from the fatherly.com website. And I wanted to read to you a snippet of these sobering words. Take a listen to what it says. Quote, In terms of how kids affect marriage, the negative studies outnumber the positive. Despite persistent perceptions that childlessness leads to lonely, meaningless, and unfulfilled lives, most studies suggest child-free people are happier. Very often, the person who's the primary caretaker for children gets really involved in the child's life, and the other person feels jealous, says Lisa Schumann, a licensed clinical social worker in New York City. As time goes on, that gets harder. The caretaker's emotional resources are stretched, and if they don't commit to their partners, the relationship can dissipate, end quote. Again, a grim picture, right? Again, the polar opposite of what we see of the mom In Proverbs 31, read again verse 28 and 29. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Notice as the children are praising their mother, their dad, this woman's husband, is giving his own praises to her. He's not simply echoing his children's praises. He has his own unique husband praises to give to her, which tells us what? It tells us that this mom, as she was raising her kids, did not let that smother, eclipse, or ignore her priority to befriend her husband. Because if she did, chances are that if the children are praising her, the husband is silent. But not this dad. Because his best friend, his wife, maintained that friendship as she mothered his kids. Now, before I go on, <clears throat> I feel the need to remind you guys who go to our church or inform those of you who are visiting our church, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm the father of five kids, which means my wife Sarah is also a parent of five kids, the same five that she homeschools in our two-and-a-half-bedroom apartment here in Queens, New York, as she leads multiple ministries. And the reason why I say this to you 
is in case any of you would be tempted to think that what I'm saying here is so outlandish, so ridiculous, because in your minds it's just not possible. Because I can tell you with a straight face, in spite of all the craziness that goes on in my life, all the chaos, all the disorder, all the destruction, I can tell you with a straight face that in spite of all the challenges that come with raising our beloved family, Sarah is still my best friend, and I, hopefully, am still hers. And you ask, how is that possible, Pastor? Well, consider this insightful quote Excuse me, from Pastor Tim Keller. He says this, Friendship is a deep oneness that develops as two people speaking the truth and love to each other journey together to the same horizon. Spiritual friendship is the greatest journey of all because the horizon is so high and far yet sure. It is nothing less than the day of Jesus Christ and what we will be like when we finally see him face to face. What then is marriage for? It is for helping each other to become our future glory selves, the new creation that God will eventually make us. The common horizon husband and wife look forward is the throne and the Holy spotless and blameless nature we will have this is why putting a christian friendship at the heart of a marriage relationship can lift it to a level that no other vision for marriage approaches end quote notice how dr keller refers to the common horizon which is the thing that defines a friendship because you need a common horizon in order to have any kind of friendship right but especially a best friendship and what does he say this common horizon is he describes it as what high and far Does that description remind you of a specific place that the Bible constantly describes? Doesn't it kind of remind you of heaven? Yeah, the very same place that is the source of a mom's sense of worth, right? See, what does all this tell us? It tells us this. The idea of heaven not only gives a mom her sense of worth, but it becomes the thing that defines a friendship between a husband and a and unwife. It is the common passion, the common mission that brings people together, that forges a friendship that is able to endure all the difficulties of raising children. Listen, you can be friends with your spouse on some other horizon. Same politics, you love to travel, you love to eat good food, we have similar ethnicities, you know. None of those things are stable or strong enough to maintain a friendship when you go through the cauldron of raising kids. But when you have a common horizon that's eternal, that is unchanging, and changes you to be a better person, that defines the friendship between a husband and wife that is able to forge a bond that no amount of dirty diapers, no amount of puking, no amount of sleepless nights can eviscerate whatsoever. No. Because you are committed to your spouse in helping them become the person they will be in heaven, just as they are committed to you, because that's what this wife was doing. Take a listen again. Proverbs 31, verse 23. Her husband is known at the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. Do you know how men got in positions of prominence to where they can become the elders or sit amongst them in the city gates? These were men who were a godly character, who were like the God of heaven, and who, humanly speaking, was the most influential in making this man like this? It was his wife, the mother of his kids, his best friend. That is the first duty of a great mom. Excuse me. Yeah, a great mom. She befriends her husband. Now let's move on to the second duty of a great mom is she hustles for her household. As you read through this passage, no doubt, you read about the crazy things that this mom does, right? At least it sounds crazy. She gets up early. She feeds her household. She starts a new business. You know, she speaks with profound wisdom. She's well-read. 
And I know the normal, everyday, average mom can read this description of this Proverbs mother, and you're like, uh, this is a superwoman. There's no way I could ever match or come close into imitating such a person. But I'm here to tell you that is wrong. Why? Because of what I stated so far. It's because of heavenly mindedness. Let me explain. When a person finds their worth and value, right, in the sense of who they are in heaven's mindedness, not in their human effort, that means none of their efforts will make them feel less valuable or, or more valuable because their worth is not tied to their human efforts. It's tied to a heavenly sense of worth. But if a person does find their worth by what they do, by their efforts, that means their sense of worth will go up or down depending on how successful they are. Who am I describing? What am I describing? I'm describing a perfectionist, right? A perfectionist is, by definition, who finds their worth by their efforts, right? And one of the things that many moms have confessed is that if there is one thing that has brought out their perfectionistic tendencies more than anything else is when they became mom. And one of the most insidious symptoms of perfectionism is what I call paralyzed fear. Paralyzed fear. Take a listen to this quote from uh, psychiatrist Richard Winter. This is from his book, uh, Perfecting Ourselves to Death. He writes this, quote, The motto of the perfectionist is nothing ventured, nothing lost. Perfectionists don't take risk for fear of getting it wrong. This anxiety is so strong that it makes responsible decisions and any kind of moral action almost impossible. Action will be postponed again while more information is gathered to help make the, quote, right decision. The perfectionist wants to do everything but chose nothing and so never gets started. End quote. The mom who is the perfectionist is paralyzed with such fear because she feels the only way she could be perfect is if she never makes a mistake, and so she doesn't attempt anything. But the problem is when you never attempt anything, you never can become more competent, more capable. But conversely, if you're a person who finds your identity right, and value in something that's not based on your worth but from heaven above, now you're fearless. Now you're willing to do things that you might have been reluctant to do before. And as you do it more and more, what happens? You become more capable. You become more accomplished. You become more competent. You become the mother of Proverbs 31, you see? And as a result, you start to hustle. And as you hustle, that segues into the third duty of a great mother, showing compassion to the poor and needy. Read again, verse 20. She opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. According to King Lemuel, a great mom is also a person who is compassionate to the poor and needy. And I know when you hear that, it's kind of hard to see the connection, right? Because you would think great mom, helping the poor, seems like two different categories to where you don't see how there's a natural connection. Yes, being your husband's best friend, yes, that makes sense. Yes, hustling for your household to be a great mom, yes. But being compassionate to the poor and needy, it just doesn't comport. But if you remember what I've been saying, it would make total sense. Because remember, if a person finds their worth through their human endeavors, right, through your uh, success, through your accomplishments, through how high profiled you can be, what does that mean? That means you're only going to be drawn to, you're only going to gravitate towards, you're only going to be attracted to other people who are highly successful, highly accomplished, highly profiled, right? But if you find your identity not through your human endeavors, but from heaven above, then you will start noticing the polar opposite people, people who are not so highly accomplished, 
not so highly successful, not highly profiled. Who matches that description in our society? It's the poor. It's the needy. Do you see? But you know what else? Who else are the people in mom's lives who are like that? Isn't it little kids, little children? Moms, I know you love your children, but here's the fact of the matter. Most, if not all, of our children are not highly successful, they're not highly accomplished, and they're not high-profiled, at least not yet, right? And as you hustle for your children, exercising your compassion muscles to them, developing a habit of being compassionate towards them, what do you think happens once the kids move out? Now all this compassion that you've built up for yourself, all this compassion that you have habituated your personality into becoming spills over outside of the household so that other people who are just as helpless as your kids were get to benefit from it, the poor, the needy. Human history has shown us that the people who have led the way in making our society more compassionate are not politicians, they're not even philanthropists. It's always been moms. Moms are the exemplar, they are the model of compassion. Evidenced by the fact that even our God uses the example of a compassionate mom to express how he's compassionate to a broken world he's trying to save. I draw your attention, Isaiah 66, starting in verse 13. As a mother consoles a child, so I will console you, and you will be consoled over to Jerusalem. Why does God, out of all the various examples of compassion he could have utilized, says, look at the mom if you want to have an idea of how compassionate I am. You see? Because that's what great moms do. They show compassion to the poor and needy, as well as befriending their husband, as well as hustling for their household. All of these duties, all driven by a heavenly sense of worth. And the question is, how do you, mom, develop that kind of sense of worth? How do you acquire a sense of heavenly worth? This leads me to my final point. A great mom knows the fear of the Lord. Read again verse 30. It reads this. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Here, King Lemuel tells all the ladies, all women, how they can acquire this sense of heavenly worth. You must fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Now, what in the world does that mean? If you're here today investigating Christianity, if you're new to uh, you know, the Christian faith, you might be thinking, that's such a vague statement. It's so nebulous. And you know, truth be told, a lot of Christians, they don't know what that statement means either, even though they grow up going to Sunday school, hearing it all the time. What in the world is King Lemuel speaking of when he says that a woman must fear the Lord if she wants to have a sense of heavenly worth? Well, I think we can get some assistance if we look at another passage, Psalm 130, verse 4. It goes like this. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared, O Lord. There is forgiveness with you, O God, therefore you may be feared. There it is, a clear explanation of what it means to fear God. What does it mean to fear God? Fearing God is the natural, automatic response of when you're forgiven by God. Let me say that again. Fearing God is the automatic, natural response of being forgiven by God. Now you hear that and you're like, that kind of sounds weird. Why would you fear God after he's forgiven you? Wouldn't it make more sense to fear him if he hadn't forgiven you? You know? hell, condemnation. But here's what you need to grasp. Lemuel is not speaking of fearing God in terms of what God can do to you, but rather fear in terms of what you could do to God. Yeah. The best way I can explain it is with this thing known as mommy fear. You guys know what mommy fear is, right? It's a real term, right? It's the fear that a woman feels 
the first time she becomes a mom. That anxiety, that trepidation, whether it's because she's afraid of inadvertently hurting her child or her child getting sick or some unforeseen trauma or, 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 or tragedy happening to their child beyond their control, right? And mommy fear is in direct proportion to how much that mom loves the child. The more that mom loves that child, the more she will fear for her child. And that same principle applies to all of our relationship. The more you love someone, the more you will fear that someone's being hurt, being hated, or humiliated, okay? And that is what King Lemuel is saying you must develop. When he's saying that you must fear the Lord, he is saying you must love God so much with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength to where you're terrified of inadvertently doing anything that would hurt him, hate, be hateful to him, or humiliating to him, right? If you want to acquire this sense of heavenly worth, you must love God like that. But according to Psalm 130, the only way you can love God like that is if you first experience God's greater love for you through his forgiveness. You first must experience God's forgiving love to where you would love God like that that would create that kind of fear of God. And scripture tells us clearly there's only one way to experience that forgiving love from the Lord. It comes from believing the gospel. The gospel. Now what is the gospel? The gospel is the message that says, you moms, you ladies, you men, fathers, every human being, you and I are such broken, wretched, selfish, perverted people, right? To where we by nature hate God and therefore by instinct don't fear him at all, okay? And because that is so, God had every right to want nothing to do with us, to just kick us out of his life, to banish us, to leave us in our own misery, but he chooses not to do that. Instead, he comes to us like what? A compassionate mother. How? By coming into the world as a human being, Jesus Christ, so that he could hustle doing the most important duty of all, suffering for the full punishment, the full payment of your sins and my sins by dying on the cross as your substitute Savior so that it would result in what? God being your best friend of all, the best of the best friend of all. And the reason why your God did this for you, mom, is because he would rather him suffer all the hate, all the humiliation, all the hurt that you deserve but won't because he came and saved you from your sins. When you understand this is how much your God loves you, mom, that will give you a sense of worth that will give you a sense of value that nothing you do could ever match. I don't care how charming and cool you are. I don't care how good-looking you may be. I don't care what an amazing mom you are. Being loved by God this way far surpasses those treasures. That is what God wants you to hear today, moms. You see, on Mother's Day, this is the day where your husband, your children, your church says to you, we love you, mom. And it's true. We love you, mom, so much. You are so amazing, so awesome. But what I want to say to you on behalf of the Lord is God says to you, I love you more because I love you most. That is why you are precious. That is what makes you the great mom that you are.
I hope and pray, mothers, that as you process and think through that, you will always remember that you are precious to the Lord because you are so loved by him. Happy Mother's Day, mom. Let's pray. Father, as we think about this day and who is honored on it, we pray, Jesus, that we would remember why they are so awesome. It's not because of the things they do. It's because of who they are in you. They are your precious. They are your lovely ones. They are far more precious than even jewels. God, they embody and exhibit the glory of heaven because they are the recipients of the one who is in heaven, the love of the one who is in heaven. God, I pray that as we continue to honor our mothers, that we would never forget why they are so awesome because they are your vessels to exemplify your great love for this broken world. And so, God, may we never forget that. And may we always treat our mothers with the respect, with the glory, with the honor that you have ascribed to them through your son, Jesus Christ. And, Lord, we just pray that as we continue to love our mothers, to care for our mothers, and to be loved and cared by them, that we would give glory to you by treating your servants in a manner that is worthy of double honor. Would you help us to remember these things? For we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We're now going to give the Lord his hand.